You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Illini Enquirer podcast. No Illini game to, to talk over here with Jay Lehman, our weekly. But I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this. Um, no loss to talk about, Jay, but also got a lot of listener-submitted questions to kind of pick your brain about Illinois football and, and football in general. Uh, what was your weekend like? Uh, what games had your attention? I'm guessing Iowa-Purdue. Well, Iowa-Purdue had my attention. I was actually watching the Bears game, of course, yesterday. That was un- unfortunate, although I was – you know, they tease me. Justin Fields starts out with a great drive. And then, like, in the third quarter, he, like, he kind of looks like – and even Greg Olson said, looks like it's getting going, you know. And I don't know. And being an Illinois Bears fan, it's hard. Can I, can I ask you, um, Aaron Rodgers said, still own you. And it's true. I mean, the guy's just so dang good at what he does. I'm hoping one day Packers fans understand the pain of not having a Hall of Fame quarterback. But um, is there like the best smack talk you've ever had, like from an opponent? Like, do you remember one specifically, or did you give one that you remember? Well, I had a, I had a, I had a teammate who, and the teammate will will be left unnamed. But we were at we were at Kinnick or we were at we were at Purdue or something, and they had looked up, they had looked up knowledge. The, the fans are pretty close at Kinnick and Ross State Stadium, and uh, like they had done some homework on this guy. And they knew he was like a fourth or fifth year senior. And he was, you know, carrying the water out, you know? And so it's like, dude, you've been here five years and you're still carrying the water out. And the funny thing was we didn't look back, but all of us, you know, defenders were just laughing because it was like, it was like, it was like true. It was like, it was like, dude, you've been here four years. Like you're supposed to be a football player. And all you do is to, to, the fact that they did research on it was good. I mean, everybody has the has the stuff. I mean, I, I I like to, you know, I always, you know, lineman. A good line for a lineman is, dude, if you didn't play football, like, what would you be in society? Look at you right now. You know, no, I mean, that's just a hard. That's a, that, that's a, that's a hard one for a lineman, and and um, they'll usually say something about you being soft or backing down from a hit or something. And we usually just, you know, we can't say they're soft, so we we usually try to degrade them in something that they look like, right? Which neither is good outside the football field. Neither do I, I, I don't do that outside the football field. Sometimes tempers flare on the football field. So that's what happens. Yeah. Um, all right, Jay, uh, before we get into uh, some things with Illinois and, and some things that Prep Yuma uh, said today, including some injury updates that, that people should know, um, what, what did we learn about Iowa in that loss? Uh, did, did What got exposed in that game? Well, I think offensive ineptitude, right? They had really lived off, uh, you know, playing great defense. I can't remember if Purdue had 24 points or 27. Uh, but, okay, well, they have a streak still intact of like 30 games keeping teams 24 or less. So they kept that streak, you know, intact. Uh, and that and that was, you know, so they, they played decent defense, but Jeff Brown really has that number. I mean, he, I think he's won four or five games against Iowa. And he seems to be the guy that filled out, has figured out Phil Parker's scheme. And they were basically living by the turnover, and, and that was setting up their offense. Their offense just simply can't get anything going with Petrus and even Goodson at running back. Uh, what's always interesting to me is that for as good as Iowa linemen are, they don't consistently lead the league in rushing or even in the top half, right? They just have, have had trouble doing that. But Iowa truly is a team uh, that year in and year out, can beat anybody or lose to anybody, you know, and, and this is no different than that because they've always had an issue really getting the playmaker quarterback in the years they have had a playmaker quarterback, whether it's uh, Brad Banks back in 2002, Ricky Stanzi in 09, CJ Beathard in 2015, like they have a special team. Petrus is, isn't that guy yet uh, for them. They're good in a lot of different facets, but I don't think they're an elite team as we saw. Yeah, I would say good, but not maybe great. Um, slash elite, right. like you said, do we have like do we have that in the Big Ten? I mean, the Big Ten East, 
um, has what four teams in the, in the top nine, I believe it is Ohio state now five, Michigan, six, Penn state, seven, and Michigan state all the way up at number nine after a close win, uh, at Indiana, who are you buying there, Jay? I mean, it's easy to say probably at the end of the year, Ohio state seems like the bet to, to, to win the big 10 championship. It seems, but yeah, you know, all these teams still play each other. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, first of all, I think the Big Ten's done a great job of just figuring out how to schedule it for maximum exposure. So we, they started out with a couple, um, you know, big Big Ten matchups the first four weeks of the season, which, you know, a lot of conferences don't do that. So I think that's good. Um, they also had a couple teams play a marquee non-con, Oregon, Ohio State, you know, uh, Penn State played Auburn. Uh, so they did a good job of that, but they, they keep a lot of the divisional games kind of like baseball does and kind of like football and NFL does to the end of the season. Right. So Illinois got, you know, Iowa, Minnesota, Northwestern left on the schedule. Right. I mean, so you have, you're going to have three, at least three divisional games in November, which I think makes it for a great race. Um, but yeah, they are going to cannibalize themselves a little bit in the big 10 East. I think it's sexy to go against Ohio state because they've been there so long. You're just begging for somebody else. Uh, Michigan has surprised me with how they've been sound. I mean, they pretty much handled Wisconsin. And, you know, obviously we didn't know how good Wisconsin was, but we're judging how good they are based on us, right? Um, which, it, which, which isn't necessarily a great, a great measuring stick. Here, here's what I think. I think Penn State with Sean Clifford healthy can beat anybody. I really do. Whether Sean Clifford's going to be healthy or not going long-term, they've actually got some weapons on the outside and at tight end to actually be explosive offensively. I really like Brent Pry as a defensive coordinator coach. Uh, you know, his dad coached Illinois in the Zook era. I think Brent Pry is a head coach in waiting, honestly. Not at Penn State, but just a head coach. He's going to be a head coach. And um, uh, so I really like what they do defensively, how they've recruited. Um, so I, I really like Penn State. I think they've, they've given Ohio State trouble, right? And I think this is the year of Clifford Selty that Penn State will be. I like Penn State coming out of the, out of the uh, East. I think Michigan State, um, they're just playing sound football. Uh, they probably have two of the better, uh, three of the better skill players in the league. Peyton Thorne, I think, is going to be a first or second round draft pick in a year or two. I really do. You look at his technique, how he keeps his shoulders uh, perpendicular to the line of scrimmage, moves, shuffles, uh, underrated athlete. And, and Jaden Reed and Jalen Naylor have made him look really, really good. And uh, they protected him. They have these routes that take four or five seconds. They protect him. They get him the throw. And of course you got Kenneth Walker, which is sucking everybody up. Um, so those three skill players have really helped bolster that team. I think Scotty Hazleton at DC has done a great job as far as kind of getting the Spartan dog mentality back, helped a ton by transfer portal guys at the corner, especially with uh, uh, Ronald Williams and Chester Kimbrough. Those are Florida and Alabama transfers. So I think Michigan state's going to make noise. They're going to upset one of the three of those. But I don't think they're going to win the East. I think we'll see a Penn State Iowa rematch in the East. Um, you know, so and you know, look out for you know, be, be careful for for Purdue as well. You know, Purdue's I don't think they'll make it into the Big because they they you know have got two losses in the Big Ten currently, but because uh, they lost to Minnesota and somebody else, right? Can't remember. No, they lost Notre Dame. They only got one loss, right? They've got one loss in the Big Ten. Uh, Big Ten East, I don't, I'm Big Ten West. I don't think that they're going to win the West, but I do think they're going to play a big factor on who does win. And they've already done that with Iowa. So it's, it's interesting race because it's, there's not one team that's out, out and about. Yeah. I got a few oh, it's really long winded. Wow. There you go. <laughs> Purdue has two stars. Right, just two college football superstars and Carl Loftus and David Bell. Right, <laughs> that I've always questioned their depth, and I think that showed up against Illinois, right, when Bell right. was out. But they do have two stars that can carry them, and uh, they do just play well against Iowa. The other thing is, I'm really interested to see if Michigan goes to JJ McCarthy at some point at quarterback because it feels like the one thing they need something uh, in the passing game to compete with uh, Ohio State or Penn State. The other thing is, Penn State just they can they can stick with Ohio State athletically, right? Like they just have right. uh, the one Not team to, in the Big Ten that feels like it has the athletes to keep up with Ohio State. Right, they have the athletes, and you know, one thing I think that has been largely overshadowed. Defensive line, they've always had guys at D line, and if there's one thing that a D line can create, it's just chaos. And I've always been impressed with their ability to recruit on the D line and create havoc. But like you said, on the edge, Dotson on the edge. Clifford, when he's healthy, I think can be as good as anybody. 
Uh, I'm going to mess up his name. Urich, I think, is the offensive coordinator. You know, give, give credit to James Franklin. He made a really tough decision. So he poached, um, you know, the offensive coordinator from Minnesota, uh, Shiraka, Kirk Shiraka, who was at Minnesota, had great success. Minnesota had beaten Penn State in that 2019 season. They got up close. They brought Shiraka in. Obviously, there's the pandemic year, so there's a lot of factors. They didn't like what they saw uh, from the receiver position a lot, and they, they pulled the plug. That's what James Franklin gets paid to do, and quite frankly, it's paid off in spades for him. Uh, I, I think if Clifford stays in the game against Iowa, no question they win that football game, uh, and then you're, you're talking about Penn State being the number two team in the country right now, and I think that would make them the favorite going to play Ohio State. Uh, so – that injury is the only real blemish on Penn State. And I think it's a team that's improving throughout the year, which Penn State usually does. Good time for Illinois to get them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I want to ask you before we get into this, because I, I don't even know um, if we break down like keys to the game against a, a team like Penn State with Illinois, but what's an off week like for players? What I mean, obviously the coaching staff went on the road recruit. That's very important right now for the staff. Uh, but what gets done from a football perspective during an off week? Well, you're going to do a whole self-scout. A self-scout is basically if I were to play Illinois this week, uh, what film would I look at? And so all the coaches are going to look at, okay, let, let's go back and prepare like we're playing ourselves. What are our tendencies? What do we tend to do? What do we not do? What do we do well? You know, what are our ratios on third down? Uh, do we run the ball all the time on first down? Are we 50-50? And everybody has this... I'm going to say everybody, but a lot of people aspire to be 50-50 on everything, right? And it just doesn't work out like that, especially when you are a team like Illinois that often is playing from behind or maybe doesn't have a quarterback that can do that. So they're going to do that. They're also going to look at what defenses have worked well. Like, are there certain calls? They're like, man, we, we have stopped eight out of 10 third downs when we've called this defense. We should maybe call this more. Or, hey, we've given up four big plays on this defense. And so you take a pause on that. You go back to some fundamentals. A lot of the young guys get some reps. And, of course, I think they let guys go home for two or three days if they can make it home. Um, I think, you know, with, with the kind of the COVID protocols loosened a little bit, they're, they're allowing that to happen. So, you know, that's, that's a good thing. I think they need a mental break. These kids go through a lot. So what will you be looking for against Penn State? Your 24-point underdogs. Um, I don't think anyone expects Illinois to win. So, like, what, what are you looking for out of this team that, they can translate into Rutgers who lost to Northwestern, right? Not a very good big 10 team right now. They can take into Minnesota that is wounded a little bit, even coming off a win and, or, you know, Northwestern at the end of the year. Well, I don't think Illinois has hung defensively with a team that has an explosive passing attack, like, like this team. And so uh, for me, it always starts on defense. Can we continue to take the steps under Ryan Walters, which I believe they've taken a lot of positive steps, uh, in the right direction. You're playing against the Big Ten East elite class right now. And frankly, you're going to be stretched at tight end, at receiver, all the at running back, at offensive line. You're going to see a lot of different things. And Sean Clifford's going to press you a lot. And so I want to see the defense continue to, to battle and keep us in football games. So it starts with the defense. I think that starts every good program starts with defense. Offensively, where do I begin? Right. Um, you know, I whether whether we can believe we can run the football or not, I want to see us try to do it. I want to see, you know, we go into the game saying, well, we're going to give Chase Brown 15 carries and Josh McCray eight. Well, you got to convert some third third downs to actually have the ability to give those guys those runs, right? It's, it's not as easy as that, and you, you can't get behind quick. So I think staying in the game, at least to establish some sort of game plan, and then we've been talking about this a lot, but we we've got to get better quarterback play to make some conversions, whether that's art, uh, whether that's a uh, Brandon Peters, if he's healthy uh, or some other person that we don't know about Isaiah Williams or, or somebody else, but we, we need better play. Out of that. So that's really what I'm looking for. I don't think penalties and turnovers have been an issue. Right. And so that's a positive thing. We can talk about a, a team. I'm not going to call this a young team, but under a new staff, sometimes you see that. I mean, we, we've seen just the, horrible obliteration that is Nebraska football and close football games. I mean, it's like, like I always say, people, guys, unless Nebraska is up by two TDs going in the fourth quarter, don't bet on Nebraska to pull through. That's a great bet right there to, to make sure that, you know, Nebraska is going to fall apart in the fourth quarter. It is painful to see Scott Frost 
camera shots right now. And he's in agony at at all times, it feels like. And uh, when it feels like Murphy's Law, I mean, Illinois, I know fans are bred that way, but Nebraska fans, surely, uh, because they're close in these games against some really good teams at times, too. And then against worse teams. Like, I I think Nebraska should be better in Minnesota this year based on the injuries Minnesota's had, and they find a way to lose. They find a way to lose and, you know, What's interesting is Nebraska's had some some very memeable head coaches, whether it's Bo Pelini, but on a different, just going crazy, or the frowns of Scott Frost looking yeah. exasperated. Yeah. So um, they're great for memes, you know. <laughs> like, but man, it's uh, it's been it's been painful to watch. And if you're a Nebraska fan, and right now you've lost to Minnesota and Illinois. And, and you probably chalk those up as, as, as wins before the season. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jay, uh, before we get into, uh, the questions that the listeners sent, and there's a lot of good ones. I can't wait to see what you have to say. Um, some updates, Mike Epstein, not going to be back with the team this year. Sounds like he's got a personal decision to make and, uh, it just stinks, man. His career has been so good when he's been on the field, but just couldn't stay healthy. Jake Hansen sounds like he's going to be out for a while. Uh, Brett Bielma said something about an announcement later this week, so that doesn't sound very good. Uh, then when it comes to Brandon Peters, hasn't been cleared to practice yet. Uh, this is as of Monday afternoon, uh, so we'll see if he practices Tuesday, but hasn't practiced since Wisconsin. So I think we're going to see Arthur Sikowski uh, out there, and, and that's a tough spot to be against Penn State. But um, what just thoughts on those three guys. I mean, obviously Mike Epstein and you feel for his career, Jake Hansen, you feel for him coming back this year with all the injuries he's had. And then, you know, Art Sikowski, I think we've wanted to see uh, as the starter, we might get it this week. Well, first and foremost, heart goes out to those guys. Uh, college football is, is a brutal, unforgiving game. Um, you know, I feel bad for Epstein. He's a guy that, that I think committed to Cubit right years ago. I mean, wow, we're going back now. And, um, you know, was a Gatorade player of the year, I think, in Florida. Uh, and, uh, you know, was, I think, offered by Michigan and other teams. I mean, he's a good football player and just a guy whose career just got totally derailed by injuries. So Mike comes from a great family, good guy. Uh, I know he's going to be a success in life. I, we wish him the very best. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sad for him. I, I know he's sadder than most, but that we didn't get to see more of Mike healthy. You know, I don't think he ever played a game in November. Um, you know, not much many October. As far as Jake, uh, you know, if he remained healthy, I had no doubt I think he'd be a top 10 Illinois linebacker and played on better teams. And that's saying something, you know, I, I really do. I think he had instincts. Obviously, he had a knack for getting the ball out. Um, he never was the craziest athlete, but very smart and able to do everything you asked him to do. Uh, and then with Brandon Peters being banged up, uh, I think when you have three big leaders like that go out, I don't know Epstein wasn't leading on the field, but we don't know what he was like off the field. Certainly a six-year guy. It could really represent a changing of the guard in his coaching staff's mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. Our defensive leaders out, our offensive leaders out. We have five games left. Um, it doesn't look great for us to make a bowl. It's certainly mathematical eligible, but, you know, Harry Carey in the 90s used to say that the Cubs were never out of it either, you know, when in August when they were 12, 20 games behind St. Louis, right? But uh, uh, I think it could really represent a changing of the guard of, hey, we're really looking forward to, to building in the future, uh, whether it be not just Tariq Barnes and Kaitlin Tolson at the linebacker position. Um, obviously, Calvin's heart, heart is hurt, but um, also the quarterback position, you got Sikowski coming back next year, uh, we think, um, you know, and, and, Maybe it's a different quarterback, but just collectively, they need to really move forward. And I think they got a sense for that with those three guys out recruiting on the bye week. Wow. We've got a long way to go. And maybe it's time to start that journey now. Yeah. Like some people think maybe a huge youth movement, Jay, um, he still wants to win games, right? right. So I, I don't see him going huge, huge youth movement, but I agree with you. I mean, today during his press conference, he talked a lot about recruiting because we asked a lot about recruiting because we know this is this is the most important thing they have to do right, right now, right? Is right. build up this roster. But he was talking about how the quarterback room, they had to take two guys out of there that are some of their best receivers now and Isaiah Williams and Deuce Span. So that right. quarterback room still has to be remade. Uh, the offensive line, he made reference, last three recruiting classes, they basically have one guy, uh, not even. Last three recruiting classes, they have no guys in their two deep, right? Julian Pearl is the youngest guy in their two deep, I believe, and – and he's a red shirt 
sophomore, and he's a really should be a redshirt junior. So they just haven't recruited very well. So they know, and he talked about the transfer market. They're going to have to go heavy here because they need to compete uh, to help them recruit. So it's, it's, it's this never ending cycle, but at least they got some more spots now with the NCAA allowing seven extra spots that they don't have to go so transfer heavy that they take away from a, a foundation of prep recruits. No, no, I mean, that's good. I mean, I think the full weight of the job that is the Illinois turnaround, you know, we said it really hit him in Virginia. Uh, I think it's really hit him as you get into the meat of, and he faced his old team, you know, about a week and a half ago of how far Illinois is away. And it, it, it really, it really makes you applaud uh, the ability that, you know, Ron Turner had to turn it around and go to a bowl game in his third year and, and win a big 10 championship in year five. Well, Ron Zook did, you know, to, to go to a handful of bowl games, to, to go to the Rose bowl, uh, how difficult that actually is to do. And we've seen, you know, two or three guys, I won't count Coach Cubit, but uh, he didn't really have a chance. But, uh, you know, Beckman and, and Lovey Smith really fail and fail spectacularly, R really. I mean, there was really no chance to really get into the upper echelon of the team. And so um, I think Brett has – it's not I'm not even talking about leashes at this point. I mean, the guy is going to be here for four or five years. He's the guy, right? I mean, there is, there is no plan B past Brett Bielema. He is the plan, right? Um and here's a guy who's won games in college. He's coached at a lot of different levels, had a lot of different mentors. He has the style that we want. Uh, he's an Illinois native. I still think we got the right guy. I think he's got a, the great, a great staff. I really do. I believe in all that. The hard thing to say is that the personnel is just not there, but, but it, it is the truth. All right, Jay, uh, let's get to some listener-submitted questions. I gave them the floor, so uh, we'll pepper you with those questions when we come back on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, Jay, you ready for these listener submitted questions? Fire away. All right, here we go. Let's just not waste any time. Uh, Illini Bat on our board said, was it a good idea for U of I to fire Ron Zook and his staff after back-to-back -back bowl winning seasons, something the program hasn't even come close to accomplishing since? Hey, that's a great question. I really like Coach Zook. Obviously, you know, I'm probably biased on this, on this answer. Um, no question, I believe Illinois would have gone to a bowl in that 2012 season with Ron Zook. And, and probably 2013, as long as Shieldhouse was quarterback. The recruiting did drop off after that 09 season. That was a debacle. They had tons of talent. Mike Schultz was the offensive coordinator, I believe. They brought him in. Um, I think that Zook needed Loxley to run his offense. And the players that were recruited by Loxley were loyal to Loxley. Um, and when Mike Loxley took the New Mexico job, it messed a lot of things up. Uh, Defensively, I think Vic Coney was a good stopgap. was a great defensive coach, but part of that was the talent they had up front. I mean, I'm not sure that, you know, Kurt Mallory and Dan Dish couldn't have coached those guys up either. Akeem Spence, uh, Michael Buchanan, Whitney Merciless, uh, Corey Legit. I mean, that, that's, that's your front four, guys. That is your front four. So Tavon Wilson at one corner, Martez Wilson, and uh, a guy that I that I think never gets the credit is was uh, Ian um, – Thomas. Ian Thomas. 
Jonathan Brown for, on those teams? Yeah, could for, yeah, yeah, could hit, yeah, Jonathan Brown could hit like a freight train. Uh, all those guys. I mean, you look at their front seven, and wow, Dante Hardiman was a headhunter, you know, before the injury took him out. Um, so they, they had a lot of guys, right? When we think about this, the talent they had on defense uh, and the recruits, and not just on defense. I mean, Mike Hellishore. Uh, AJ Jenkins at receiver, a tight end, uh oh, in Cumberland. I mean, uh, John Azamoa, uh, you know, uh, the lineman they had, uh, Hugh uh, Thornton, all those guys. I mean, I can go on and on about guys that they had in Shieldhouse. I think they would have been better with Ron Zuck being the coach. Yeah, I don't think they, they failed to upgrade. That, that is clear. Uh, and they still have been looking for that. Maybe they found it in Brett Bielema. Uh, the one thing is like the, the 08 and 09 teams are two of the most underachieving teams I've seen, Jay, just to be fair, right? Like they, they needed to win. And I know Mike Schultz being an offense coordinator for 08, um, certainly, or 09, excuse me, certainly didn't help. But like you see those teams, you see the players that were on those teams. And it's like, how did they only go eight and 16 uh, those two seasons with Regis oh, yeah. and Juice Williams, right? Like, well, I- so that, that, that's on, that was on Zook too, right? Yeah, that was on Zook. And I, I just I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but some of the former players, you know, I know in that 07 team, we had really felt in 2007, I thought along with the rest of the country, that Illinois was going to be a factor for years to come with some of the recruits that we had. We thought we had really turned around a program. And I think uh, one of the more disappointing things was when that large senior class of mine left, uh, we felt that 2008, 2009 just didn't play up to its ability. And I think that was hard for us to see a program that we had just worked so hard to build up, just kind of fall apart. So not blaming the guys or anything, but it was hard to see that. Yeah. Um, all right. Another one from the board. Well, Illinois certainly has limited personnel. What does Jay think Illinois could do more of on offense, help their quarterbacks out? whether that's just more pre-snap motion, rolling out in the pocket, designed runs. Just curious what Jay thinks should be added. Hey, that's a great question. Um, they tried the quick game last week, um, and they couldn't get much done. It's hard to do quick game against the man coverage of Wisconsin. So, one, I would do quick game. Two, I think both the guys look more comfortable rolling out or sprint out. I would get them out of the pocket more. Three, I would do quarterback run five to ten times a game. I know you can't afford to get the guy hurt at this point, but – if you get them hurt, then you get them hurt. At this point, we need some yards. Like, I hate to say that, right? But both of them have, have been – could run a quarterback draw or a zone read to keep people honest, right? Um, I would also throw Isaiah Williams in to give him a break for five or – just a mental break for five or six plays. Like, one thing a, a Wildcat does, when I say, oh, they're taking the quarterback out, he hates it. Well, it's kind of a mental break just to say, okay, we're in the drive. This is the down. I can just kind of go off and be a receiver, throw – you know, whatever you do. So, do that. And no, no, the biggest thing is the best friend of a quarterback is a great running game. Um, and so we got to continue to run the football. But right now, it's almost like we got to complete some throws um, to loosen that up. And I would not be afraid to, uh, I would max protect, meaning I would keep a tight, two tight ends and a back end to really um, protect Art Sikowski or Brandon, whoever's in there. And have Deuce Span go one-on-one deep two or three times a game. Mm-hmm. I, I would. I just take a shot just to take a shot and say, hey, we're actually going to do this. And so those are the five or six things I would do. All right. Pond hockey, this is kind of a follow-up to this one. What does he think are the most and least correctable issues with Peters and Sikowski? Uh so as far as correctable, I'll say getting the ball out on time for Peters. Like you can correct that, okay. Um, that's a confidence thing. That's a repetition thing. All right. Um, I think also um, the the ability just to be a better, you know, pocket presence has been an issue. Uh, that's correctable. Um, at this point, as a sixth year, though, I'm not sure we're going to see a more accurate thrower. That takes years and years and years of practice, right? You can say, get your front foot down and stuff. It's kind of like a guy who has bad form when he's shooting a basketball. Like, well, if we just move his elbow in straighter, he, he's he's going to hit threes. Well, no, no, not, not exactly, right? Like, like Ben Simmons at this point might not ever hit threes, right? No. Right, right, right. I mean, it's like, it may not. Like, I remember watching Aaron Rodgers. He played against us, Calvers, Illinois, I think 2003. And do you know he'd be that good? What? Do you know he'd be that good? Well, the funny thing is, I remember thinking, and Tedford's all Tedford quarterbacks really held it all awkward up here. Achilles Smith, you'll, you'll see him. It's a Tedford thing. 
But one thing I noticed was his release was unbelievable, right? It was just, you know, where no wind up at all. And his release was so hard to break on because it was just from here to here. And one thing I, I see in these guys is, especially Sikowski, has a wind up, you know. Um, and so you see that and you're like, okay, like that, that, that gives a chance for guys to break on the ball. They're just not accurate. Can the route timing be fixed? Yes, it can. I don't know if it can be fixed in five or six weeks, but we have left. Right. Um, how about just in general, just being overall a good quarterback? I don't know if that can be fixed. I hate to say that, but there's a lot of different things that go into it. And, um, they've been asking Brandon Peters to be more of a leader uh, vocally for years. Hasn't happened. Art does that better. And like we told you, you got the surgeon versus the general, right? Whichever one you want in there, go put them in there. sounds like art because of injuries is going to get the nod, but those are kind of the things that are correctable and are not. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on there. Uh, okay. Swedish chief said, who is Jay's favorite to be head coach after Lovey got fired? So when that happened and we had a week there to speculate, I, I was on the Lance Leipold train, Jay. I, I thought he made a lot of sense. I thought he could be like the Jerry kill. Um, uh, of this program uh wh- who is your guy do you have a guy yeah that's a great question i heard some great things about lance leipold obviously i mean unbelievable record at whitewater and then uh went to buffalo because that was the only job that you know he could really get um you know I'm, i know a lot of alumni reached out to me on behalf of kirby wilson to try to get kirby here who's been a running backs coach in the league for for years um Trying to think back who the other candidates were at this time. It was Leipold. Uh, I, I, had, was in, I had Jim Leonard on my list. Uh, I just whether he would, whether, yeah, whether he would come or whether he would come or not. You know, I, I, I that was doubtful. Um, trying to think who I thought was a was a decent fit. There was one guy out of a I can't remember now. Um, Sean Lewis out of Kent State was a name that was bandied about. You know, I was this is probably on my dream list. I was thinking, like, would 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 Tom Herman and Chris Ash come from Texas over here? You know, just to kind of rebuild something. I think he's got too much urban influence to ever take a job in the Big Ten West. Um, you know, I, I don't know uh, at Illinois, but I, I had thought about that and, and thought maybe because he had had some success at Iowa State, I, I were probably too low of a name to get that guy. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of who I thought of. I knew Brett Bielema was on there, and, and I was not opposed to Brett. I thought he was a good fit. I just didn't know that that it sounded like that was Josh's guy from, from the get go. We don't know that. I mean, that's how it was presented to us. You'd always had, had the, uh, I don't think he's ready to be a head coach, but um, the guy who played against me, Marcus Freeman became the D coordinator at Notre Dame. Not sure if he's ready to be a, a head coach, but I certainly think he's a guy that could recruit well, has Midwest ties, obviously has a great mentor with Luke Fickle, and he'll be a head coach soon, no doubt. Um, this is kind of a name I forgot to put in there. Jeff Monken was the name from Army that we hear all the time. I, I just I couldn't get around the, the Army thing, you know? Yeah. I know Monken well, was from like asked, Warrior or something. Yeah, somebody asked, how could Army run against Wisconsin but not Illinois? And some people always ask, could the triple option work at the Big Ten? So I'll ask you that, Jay. I mean, I think we saw um, what Paul Johnson did at Navy for 15 years. Not, not at Navy. He came from Navy to Georgia Tech. Uh, so he's out of Naval Academy. And then, obviously, he went out to Georgia Tech. And I would say that Georgia Tech, over that time, averaged, you know, six to eight wins. They had one year went to the Orange Bowl, lost to Iowa. But you could win six to eight games. You can't win a national championship. But maybe maybe in the 20s and 50s, we gave up, we gave up our – actually believing in a national championship. So maybe it's better to win six to eight games. I know a lot of people would trade that off. Right. All right. Kessler asks, have you noticed specific things the players do better under this coaching staff than the last one? Well, I think they play defense overall better. <laughs> Number one. Um, I think they play, it seems to me they play zone coverage and keep guys in front of them better than the previous one. Uh, I think that the turnover culture that Lovey established, which we give him credit for, has carried over some. So I, I want to give Lovey, you know, credit for that. Um, I, I think we've, I think I've seen at least better technique in the defensive line. Um, I think the young guys, it might be just Johnny and, and Keith that and Roger, you know, I feel like they're playing with good team. They get overpowered sometimes. I don't think they're like man amongst boys yet. 
but I feel like it's better technique. Um, I feel like their ability to really, um, you know, Chase Brown made some, made some unbelievable plays last year as well, but I think they're trying to coach him to kind of be a different runner than maybe Rod Smith's offense needed him to be. And they're, they're, they're working on that. Uh, and, you know, I think their ability to uh, get young guys playing and have faith in them. Um, I thought the last staff kind of threw guys out there on an island and said, you're a young guy, just go play. I don't think they've done that. I think they've put guys in position to succeed when they go in and not put them out there too early, whether that's called the Matt Nagy philosophy with Justin Fields or not. Uh, it seems to at least be working for a college kid. CVB asks, how big of a jump should we expect from Walters and Peterson's side of the ball in year two? Uh, I think that depends on personnel upgrades too, right? Yeah, it depends on personnel. I think, um, first of all, Walters had a big dump already. Yeah. But, but I think they can definitely be um, in that five to eight range ranked defense in the Big Ten. I don't think you're going to beat uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa's defense, right? Right now. I mean, those are kind of the, the guys. Um, Penn State has a great D. So, I mean, those are your top four uh, defenses. We talk about the West and the East. But I think we can be in that five to eight range. You know, um, Ohio State doesn't have a great defense by numbers uh, at all. Northwestern's been down since Hank Wentz left and, and their backers left. So, I think we can make a jump into that up. You know, mid we, we might be there now if you look at actual numbers. But, you know, we, we've – I just think as far as being a dominant defense – Offensively, I, I tell you what, we've got the running backs to really make it happen. I think we we it's going to be totally predicated. I hate to say totally predicated on three things: receivers, quarterback, and O line. That's how many holes we have. Um, there's really it, those all work together. Um, but what I would like to see, you know, Urban Meyer came under fire for a lot of things, but he came under fire lately for a comment he made about what his ideal offensive output was. And he said 250 rushing yards, 250 passing yards, which rarely happens in the NFL. It happened all the time at Ohio State, right? And what I would like to see is, you know, Illinois be at the 250 rush, 200, 200 rushing yards a game, 150 passing yards a game. So it's 350 yards of offense. I think we can get to that point uh, next year. And if you have 150 yards of passing, that means you're probably picking up four to six crucial first downs through the air. And if we had those, we'd probably have two more wins this year. So I hate to get really technical with you, but that's where I see our numbers going. No, that's good. Um, I think there's a fair and the expectations too. Um, CVB also asks, how bad does an offense or defense have to be to pull the plug year one and switch coordinators? Is it a free year regardless? I think this is a free year. I think he went out and got Tony Peterson because he liked the style. Listen, Tony Peterson was a coordinator in the, in the Big Ten for like eight years with Glenn Mason. I mean, the, the guy's been in the league for a long time. He didn't forget how to coach. Uh, I don't think they're going to pull the plug. He, he plays Brett Bielema's style. I think they're going to have to recruit guys that that can block the way they want to block. I don't know if they're there yet right now. Um, and, and, and I don't know how many injuries there are either. So I don't know how banged up Palcheski or Kramer is. Uh, so I think, it's, I think it's been tough sledding with that. Uh, Antor Mack said, what is Jay's brutally honest opinion on Lovey Smith? I don't think he was a good college football coach. Um, I, I think he would probably tell you that he was uh, – he probably didn't coach his best football at Illinois. Let's just say that. I mean, the guy's had success, right? He's, he's a good football coach. I think he's a better pro coach. Um, I think he just loves – he loves to coach ball. And unfortunately – in, in college, or fortunately, it's way more than ball. It's, um, you know, being plugged into the community, raising money, being part of alumni events. Um, I think he did a good job of setting a high character standard for the University of Illinois and trying to recruit guys and have a high character standard there. So nothing against his character, uh, nothing against uh, who he is as a football coach. I don't think college football was a good fit for him. I, I just never felt like it fit. Uh, didn't feel like he was having fun. So that's his personality. Um, but it just didn't feel like a fit. And so I would say he didn't coach his best football at Illinois. No, you're right. Um, all right. Another one, assuming we look for a quarterback in the transfer portal, where does Bielema start? What qualities do we look for? What's the pitch? Are we just looking for a better version of art? 
That, that's a really good question. Um, so I, I don't think we're looking for the little dual threat guy, right? But I think it's kind of become a standard that you have some mobility in this league. Like you look at some of the quarterbacks, like, okay, not all of them have mobility, but, you know, Mertz is a decent athlete, right? He can run a little bit. Peyton Thorne, underrated athlete. Uh, Clifford, great athlete. Uh, Stroud, great athlete. We don't have to have a guy like that, but we have to have a little bit of mobility. I think Sikowski and Peters have that, right? Um, I, I think you're looking for a guy, quite honestly, that's just more accurate. I hate to be so simple, guys, but I go back to this example all the time. People talk about arm strength. They talk about size. They talk about mobility. Drew Brees was not excellent in arm strength, was not excellent in size. He was decently mobile, yes, but his accuracy is uncanny. The most accurate quarterback ever. And so really it comes down to putting the ball on the numbers, right? Um, you know, a guy that I know, Jeremy, you like, I like Rod Smith, like Brock Purdy, you know, at, uh, at Iowa State. Had, has had a great career. Not big, not overly fast. Has a little wiggle to him. Mm-hmm. Not overly strong arm. He's a pretty darn accurate passer, though. I think you, you look at that. I like to look at those programs who have historically struggled, Iowa State, Illinois being one, and say, well, what works here? Shoot, Jason Verdusco played great here. He was 5'10", right? Can right. you put the ball on the money is the question. And it, it, just, it just drives me crazy when I look at a team like Kentucky with Will Levis, who's having a great year. Is it Will Levis, I think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At Kentucky, is starting QB. Well, where'd he come from? How did Kentucky get him, right? I mean, like, they're Kentucky. Yeah, I think Joker Phillips, that's a guy I have coach of the year, you know. Is it Joker Phillips? No, it's it's not Joker. It's uh, Stoops. Stoops. Joker was there like 10 years ago, guys. Um, but uh, Stoops, you know, I, I think he – I know they lost to Georgia, but, like, I think what he's been doing in the SEC consistently has been pretty impressive. Uh, I know how I would answer this question, but this is from Tim. With the Iowa loss and lack of O holding them in Wisconsin back, does the offense Brett Bielema wants to employ come with the ceiling? So, basically – He's saying, looking at Wisconsin, Iowa's offense. Yeah. And that's what we want to do. Does it come with the ceiling? Yes. And I would say all complimentary football comes with the ceiling. Complimentary football says that it, it, when you hear those phrase complimentary football, read, i.e., we don't have enough athletes to just outscore people every day, right? So we have to use ball control. We have to play defense and special teams. So basically, take, you know, don't count the SEC West. Don't count Ohio State and Penn State. Those guys don't have to play complimentary football. They got enough athletes to make up for whatever they want to do, okay? Um, if you're a program that is not a top 15 program, you need to play complimentary football. That's just the way That's just the way it is. And so complimentary football is if we don't have the athletes to go out and score somebody or just dominate up front. You watch Georgia's defensive line. I mean, I think there's probably – Seven of the front seven, all seven of them are playing the NFL. Somebody came out, there's 17 NFL draft picks. It's just a different breed. I mean, it's like a different, it's a different style of athlete. Like those guys are unbelievable. Those schools that he's talking about, that Iowa and Wisconsin, sure, they'd love to be there. They can't can't recruit that way. Like they they just can't do that. So that's what they have to do to be in the top 10 or top 15, which is a pretty great place to be if you're Illinois. So I understand the question, but yeah, there is a ceiling because they don't get the talent of these other schools. And the brutal truth of college football is, as you said, maybe 10, 15 teams that can be in the mix for for that college football playoff most years. And then everybody else is playing a different game right now. Exactly. And, you know, I I pick out Georgia just because I've watched them on tape, but the amount of athleticism that they have as far as length and speed is unbelievable. And you just look at the top 15, they have a chance to win it all. If you don't, and you're trying to win a game, you know, go to a bowl game and have a specialty every five or six years, you play complimentary football. And quite frankly, those are the players in this region that you can recruit. And so, um, yeah, there is a ceiling. Yeah. Uh, James asks, review the change in O-line scheme with Rod Smith's offense and Tony's. Um, what, what, what is the difference that you see between how they play uh, offensive line-wise? Yeah, great question. So first, I always like to look at the splits of the offensive and defensive line. We're very, very tight splits with Tony Peterson, uh, meaning um, what is the distance between the outside leg of like the guard and the inside leg of the tackle? 
Um, it's, they're pretty tight, and we're packed in there uh, along with tight ends and whatnot. Uh, Rod's going to try to run the football through formation. Uh, a lot of what they call 11 and 10 personnel, that means one back, one tight end, and 11, three wide receivers, or 10 personnel, one back, four wide receivers. And you spread out the team. And they also used a lot of different uh, pulling and misdirection and quarterback run in Rod's system, uh, where um, we, uh, under Tony Peterson, do a lot of zone blocking. We're trying to reach people and whatnot. And it's a little bit different. Um, both can work, as we've seen. Um, both have their ups and downs, but that's the main differences. Uh, Drew asks, why would a kid come to Illinois rather than Iowa or Wisconsin or honestly any other Power 5 school? Basically, he does a little complaining here, Jay, and he's upset about his program. He's asking, what would be the pitch? Like, what's a winning pitch recruiting-wise um, to recruits right now? I remember when I used to be on a player panel for Ron Zook when the recruits would come in and they would they – would, families would be able just to ask questions to the players about why they should come here. But one time somebody asked me something and I was like, well, we got, we got it all. That, 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 that was just the, the typical, you know, pitch of like, we got this, we had support, we got facility. And Zook just smelled how bad that was. He actually cut me off as like, listen, he finished the answer for me, but then he came up to me later. Here's the answer that we tell everybody. Okay. You don't throw away that last answer. The people make a place. Okay. A space is a place is special. This is where we don't have any facilities or anything. A place is special because of the people here. We got special people here. Number one, number two, do you want to be part of something that's great right now? Or do you want to build something that's great yourself? And this is a chance to do that. So the people are great. You can build something great here and build a legacy here that hasn't been here, or hasn't been sustained here. And those are the pitches you got to pitch. You can't go apples to apples with look at our facility. Well, this is nice now, but, or, 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 you know, we're just as good as X. No, we're unique. Okay. We have great people that people make a place and you have a chance to build something yourself and not just plug into a system and be part and ride the wave of momentum. You get to create your own momentum. Yeah. I think that that's a great pitch. Maybe you can get the 10% of kids that would rather go there than, than to something established. Right. right? But also Jay, you got to be in early on kids, right? Like you got, you have to be there early and you have to be on them often and, and you have to develop those relationships. Like they beat out, you know, uh, Iowa for Aiden Lawfrey. That, that's a big time win for them. I know he's from Gibson city, but you're able to keep him. Um, so yeah, it's, that's why you got to be great at development and great at evaluation with all this too, because, you know, you're not going to win a lot of head to head battles against the proven programs. No, I know. Absolutely. And, and, we need as many wins as you can get. Like you got, we got to win the Gibson city battle, right? I mean, we got to win that battle. So you also got to just say, how good are these coaches at actually developing the players that get here? And we haven't had a chance to really see that. And so we give a lot of nods to recruiting, but they're going to have to develop these players when they get here and put them in the right spot and put them in position to win and put, put the weight on that they need to and the speed they need to have. All right. Just a few more, Jay, before I let you go. Any chance the long hair comes back? That was one. Man, you know, funny because I haven't gotten a haircut in like four weeks or five weeks. My wife's like, wow, you need to schedule every four weeks. It starts looking bad, especially with the beard. You become like a mountain man. So <laughs> as a married man, I think I think the long hair is gone, at least for now. I love the way it looked out of a baseball cap or coming out or, or out of a helmet, but I got no helmets to wear anymore. So probably no, but thanks for the question. What did what did you use uh, conditioning wise shampoo? Did you have a huge ordeal back in the day, or you just like? I was so cheap, you know. Back in the day, you could get before inflation hit, you get swab for like 95 cents at Walmart, right? And so I was using the swab, whatever. I mean, apple green smell or whatever you would do, you know, uh, green apple, and uh, that's what I was using. I actually didn't wash it up. I remember Cassie Arner at that point, who was the SID director demanded that I not only wash my hair, but that I comb it before I sit down for any interviews. And so in the famous, the most famous interview I've ever done, obviously is the Pat Hyenas clip. Everybody talks about you use YouTube, the Pat Hyenas clip, where I talk with a bad accent and do a bunch of different things. But um, before that clip, she was combing my hair. Like you look horrible. Cause it was horrible. She's like, you're going on national TV. You are combing your, and she combed it for me. So it looks kind of manicured in that. And um I'll never forget, forget, you know, she took care of me. You spoke in what accent? I don't remember this one. You know, go look on YouTube and look up uh, Ohio State, Illinois, 2007. And I, I kind of say like, we're like a pack of hyenas. Like I'm like <laughs> a, I'm a little, little, you know, a pack of hyenas are not the biggest 
you know, like the king of the jungle. But if they all gather, they can take down the king of the jungle. It was an analogy, kind of like surgeon and doctor, you know, that I was trying to say, like, listen, we're obviously not number one like Ohio State, but we're nasty. Yeah. And I kind of said, like, nasty. And um, it's good for a laugh. It's kind of embarrassing. I look back at it now, but that is the number one clip that I get people tagging me on or people will, 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 will call me. I have announcers and say, hey, how's the pack of hyenas doing? And I can't take full credit for it. I got to give this, uh, credit to Tom Sims, the D-line coach, who would be like, we're like a pack. Of, we're not the biggest dog, but man, the height is the meanest, most feared. And when he get together, you know, and this, you know, he was, I was only, I knew about hyenas was Lion King. They were bad and they, they, they were taking down lions too. And so he was, you know, he was breaking it down in language we could understand. So Tom Sims gets the credit for the pack hyenas. Most people think I came up with it. Tom Sims is the guy. And still people to this day, like, like a pack of hyenas, just look it up, Google it. Uh, one more, Jay, somebody asked, does Jay still eat raw eggs or pure olive oil like he ate when he played? I do still drink raw eggs. My kids like it. I, there's not a better nutritionally more sound meal when you're in a hurry than raw eggs. Like I can grab like some chips, but man, I'm getting the raw eggs. Why? Six grams of protein, four and a half grams of healthy fats. It's got 40 nutrients for brain function. You don't cook up any of the stuff at all. Uh, never have gotten salmonella. People have always asked, have you gotten sick? No. Uh, the only time that I had trouble was there's a place at the University of Illinois campus um, that get, has just great meat. It's called the meat lab. And they would, they would sell, they would sell meat, uh, there and I would cook it up and never had a problem with it. It was great. It was like $3 and 79 cents a pound for like your top sirloin. So I, I mean, this is, you know, 15, 20 years ago, guys, I mean, this, back in the old days. So I would go there and then they would sell eggs by like the 30 flat for like two bucks. Right. And so I would go there, get all my eggs and meat to put on weight at one point to go from 205 to 245. I came in at 205. I was eating a pound and a half of red meat a day and, and 20 eggs a day. And so what ended up happening was I thought, man, I got tired of cooking meat. So I started eating the meat raw. Now I do not, do not recommend this for me. And it wasn't because the meat was bad. It's because it wasn't supposed to be eating raw. My stomach started bothering me. Right. So I, I, I still love the meat lab. Chuck Stites was there for years. So I had all these little systems of where to get food for cheap and how to get bigger. I became obsessed with how could I legally get as big strong and fast as possible. So I read this book that's kind of an off-market book now called Natural Hormonal Enhancement, how to actually increase your testosterone growth hormone naturally, did all that stuff. Um, I mean, this is, this is exclusive stuff for you. I even went to McKinley, which is the, McKinley is the student hospital. And uh, at that point I had a doctor I was working with uh, who would read my blood and he would tell me what I needed to eat and, and different things. And uh, all, all, all above board. I wasn't taking any, any, any bad right. supplements. I was just, I was just obsessed with trying to be the best. And he's like, is there any way you can get blood work? So I would go into McKinley and say, uh, as a student, I'm just not feeling right. Uh, I, I, my doctor says I need, you know, to check out my levels of all my blood work on this. And, you know, that worked for two or three times and they ran the test for me. And I was in and said, okay, eat this and you need more protein. You need to go to sleep more and, and whatnot. And then finally, like, why do you keep coming in here? You know, all these, you're hundred percent healthy. So I had a way to, to, it was helping me though, get my free testosterone up and whatnot. And so I was doing all this because I really wanted to turn the program, I wanted to be good. I was at, at a point where I was going to sleep at night at say 10 or 11, and I would set my alarm to wake up at 2 a.m. so that I would, had a fridge in my room, I would open up a cottage cheese, eat the cottage cheese because it has casein protein, it's like longer lasting protein. And so I would eat that and then I would go to bed, which is so stupid because now it's like you never want to, now they know you never want to interrupt sleep, but I was like, I got to get bigger. And you know, about having bad morning breath. Wow. Try eating kind of cheese at two. Don't brush your teeth and go to bed. Wow. So one time there'll be an episode. Where I can tell you all the nutrition hacks that I did, all the different things that I've done. I basically made my body an experiment to try to get as big and as fast as possible. Cause I wasn't as big as fast as possible. And I felt like it gave me a mental edge. Like I was like, these guys have not been eating what I've been eating. Like I'm a savage. So that is some stuff that's never been recorded. That is exclusive for you guys at Alana Inquirer. I love it. But I like you you gave so many great info. And I'm like, wait, you just ate raw meat. Like, but what drove you to eat raw meat? I just I got tired of cooking it. I mean, when you eat, when I was eating five, six, seven times a, a day, you know, 
I was what, like, what, what's your thought process? You open up, imagine of the meat and you just, just dive right well, in. Anyway, the hardest thing was it was so hard to chew. You know, when you're a kid and your mom gives you steak and you're like still eating the steak 20 minutes later, like mom, she's like, finish your plate. I'm like, like that, that was like me, but I was older. Cause, I, I, cause when you cook the meat, it breaks down a little bit and you can, you can eat it better. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I just was like, I'm going to eat it raw. I bet there's more nutrition. The raw eggs work well. That was a bad, that was a bad idea. Right. I mean, I looked into try to get, try to get some Amish farmers to give me some raw milk, uh, you know, because raw milk's highly anabolic as well, but not as good. You know, there's homogenized milk, which isn't as good, which you buy at the store. So anyway, guys, if there was a, a food that I could eat that would help me, of course, hundred percent legal, I was all over it. Right. I think the coaches thought I was crazy. Uh, coaches brought me in the office one time. like, this cannot, like everything in moderation, this cannot be great. I was like, no, like I was doing keto before anybody heard about keto. I was getting keto. I was shredded up. And people were like, whoa, you know, should eat more carbs? Should he not? But I would carb load on Tuesdays and Fridays, pregame meal, I eat Fridays. And then, you know, whenever you carb load when you're on keto, people know you got to go to the bathroom. So I would always unload everything Saturday morning and feel really light before the game at 11. I mean, we can go into all the routine. As Urban Meyer says, uh, you know, bad players have a quote, you know, um, you know, average players have a system is a paraphrase, but great players have a, have a routine. And I had the routine down for each week of the season and everything else. So I was obsessed, you know, and uh, I think it led to some of my success because if you do that routine, you get confidence, right? Like you get faith in your routine. Like I'm doing this. We're going to turn this thing around. I'm going to study everything. Nobody's going to be able to. And there was a borderline obsession. So, I mean, I'm the guy that told my future wife when we started hanging out, I can hang out with you Thursday night for a little bit after I get done watching all my film. And if we went on Friday, after I hang out with the guys, I can hang out with you. She looked at me cross-eyed. Maybe that's how it took me three years to get a date, right? Because I was that obsessed about football. I'm the guy that also, I just keep going, going on and on here. I mean, there's a rule, and it was at the University of Illinois that, you know, I got my undergrad degree in three years. I was doing my master's program and I only had like three hours left for that fall semester of 2017 of, of 2007 to get my degree. And you usually have to take 12 hours, but if you only have three left to get a degree, you don't have to. Take, so I took three hours of class the whole semester and basically studied film 25 hours a week, you know? And so I was like, it was, it was amazing. It was just football. And, you know, those are the times, but those are the memories we, we, we think about and talk about. So. Well, Jay, it worked. It worked out for you, right? <laughs> it worked. I mean, we have a great season, great memories, but, you know, you got to get into the mind of a 22-year-old guy who wants to be the best he can be and turn a program around. And, you know, looking back and hearing me say that stuff, it's borderline crazy, right? And the coaches really, to be. Thought, thought I was crazy, but in order, I knew I had to do something to give me an edge. I had, I had, I had, I mean, you might, my faith's very important. So I was praying all the time. I was eating all the time. I was exercising. I was cold tubbing. Like I would cold tub. I would contrast back and forth for like 30 minutes at a time, five minutes cold, five minutes hot, five minutes cold, five minutes hot, studying plays, going over stuff. I mean, I just do all that stuff, you know, because I wanted this program to turn out. I wanted to have a great season because you get a short window to really be great. And so you guys didn't think that question was going to lead to that, but there you go. Great. This is the question of the day. Jay, uh, no words, man. Just thank you. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for always listening and tuning in. Thanks for your questions. I say it all the time, but Jay Lehman is the goods, and that was further proof of it. Wanted to do something a little bit different this week after the off week, and thank you guys for all the questions and bringing out all of that knowledge and expertise and obviously some entertainment from one Jay Lehman, only Jay Lehman, of course can do. So uh, thank you for all of that. That was that was fun. Hopefully you guys had a lot of fun with that as well. Uh, but coming up this week, we'll do more on basketball because if you didn't see already, we added uh, more to our deep roster of talent here at Illini Inquirer. I'm so happy. He's been in the works for a while, uh, but he was so good with us last season that Michael Tulip is joining us as a contributing analyst, much like Jay Lehman. We'll do some different things, but our plan is to do a podcast every week, just like with Jay and a VIP film room for our VIP members. I want, want to make your membership uh, as valuable as possible. And uh, I think Jay Lehman's video breakdowns are some of the most valuable content we have. Uh, so if you aren't watching those, uh, I would highly encourage it. Uh, I know it takes some time. Uh, I know some people 
Um, maybe don't dive into that kind of stuff, but I think for the people that do, they get a lot of value out of it. I get a lot of value out of breaking down video of, of Jay uh, breaking down Illinois football every week. And we're going to do the same thing with Michael Tua because I, I always think it's important to not just react to what we see in the moment, but kind of go back, like, why did this happen? What happened here? Why was this successful? Why was it not successful? Like, I'm not a football or basketball expert, but I think it's really important for me who writes about a team to go back and, and kind of look at these things again and, and see if I missed anything in real time. Because, of course, I mean, it happens so quick. You don't get to see how it's all set up. Uh, and have people like Jay and now Michael Tulip, um, I can go back to and say, hey, what happened here? Is what I'm seeing right or is it wrong? Or what are your thoughts? And uh, I think it's been fantastic. Uh, it's content that... Um, I love when guys like Matt Bowen uh, of ESPN or whoever it is, you know, break down the film. I, I think I learn something every day. So um, I'm glad that Mike is on board. He's fantastic with his passion, his knowledge uh, of the game as well, and should be a fun year of Illinois basketball to break down. And we're going to start that up this week. We've already been talking to him about some ideas about what we can do for a film, film room this week. And, of course, we'll have our normal podcast. If you're not a VIP member, Mike will still break down the game for us uh, via the audio format. So uh, glad that he is on board, and I think that's only made our site stronger to be on top of, of the great uh, writers we have and Derek Piper, Joey Wagner, uh, and NG, our intern, has been really good for us as well, doing a lot of non-revenue sports. So hope you guys like that stuff that we have coming up and be on the lookout for all of that. Until then, everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. And we'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.